0: Wellness Force Radio. Feelings are essential, but they can't dictate our actions. We literally infect each other with our emotions. We came here for a special purpose. Let the purpose unveil itself. Knowing without doing is the same thing as not knowing. They're not just trackers. I'm going to wear this and it's going to help me do the right thing. Wellness Force Radio episode 132 with Christine Hassler. When
1: we do that, when we become the parent that inner child inside of us, then we stop attracting people in situations based on our core wounds. And we start attracting people in situations based on our values and where we want to go. Most people attract relationships and situations based on their wounding and based on their past. And then their present continues to look a lot like their past and they don't have the future that they want. But if you start really asking like what that little one inside needs and you have compassion for yourself and you give yourself that safety, that validation. So it's more about, it's okay, I know you're sad. You didn't do anything wrong. You're safe and
0: I'm here. What's up my friend, it's your host, Josh Trent and welcome back to another episode for your weekly access to global experts in all things wellness as we discover the physical and emotional intelligence we need to live life well. Today is the day, my friends, we start the last three months of 2017. Now, typically the last three months of the year is when everyone's gearing up for the holiday times and those goals and expectations we had for the year either haunt us in the background or we celebrate them being achieved. But what happens when we spiral, we start losing our wellness, our health, our vitality, even become depressed or unhappy because the goals we wanted were not achieved and we go into self-sabotage and start beating ourselves up for not hitting these goals, the expectations we thought we should have achieved. You know, the should monster, the should not monster. Well, today on the podcast, we're talking with a dynamic soul who has become one of my great friends here in Encinitas, Christine Hassler, to uncover the truth about what it really takes to overcome these lost goals, these disappointments, and what Christine calls the expectation hangover from the disappointments in work, love, and life. Now, this was one of my favorite conversations ever in person. I got to meet and connect shoulder to shoulder with Christine as she prepares for her self-mastery course that we have officially become a partner of around this intersection of emotional and physical intelligence. This is one of the most powerful courses I've seen all year. Now, if you haven't heard of Christine, she's a best-selling author, a keynote speaker, a master coach, a podcast host, and a TV host who is committed to guiding people and organizations into their highest potential. Listen in while we connect the dots as to why she left her successful job as a Hollywood agent at 25 to pursue a life she could be passionate about, but it did not come easily. After being inspired by her own unexpected challenges and experiences, she realized her journey was indeed her destination. In this episode, you'll learn what you can do today, right now, to understand how to stop being controlled by anxiety, what to do when things don't go as expected, and the everyday tools that you can use to breathe into and allow the wellness and happiness you deserve. This physical and emotional intelligence and science behind why body fat is really emotional protection and how to let go of the old weight, how to watch out for people that sabotage you and for spiritual bypassers within you or in other people. Those forces that don't allow you to process and move past the emotions that are holding you back. Make sure you head over to the show notes at wellnessforce.com forward slash 132 where you can step into your personal power and have personal mastery and community around your wellness, happiness, and expectations where you'll get to work one-on-one and in groups no matter where you live with Christine and her team where she can take you through the deeper work and integrate your own self-awareness to make lasting changes in your life. So make sure you sign up for the webinar coming up today, this week with Christine. If this interview touches you, Trust that intuition. Sign up for the free webinar by scrolling down on your iPhone and tap the link in purple in your show notes that says personal mastery course webinar. You can also go over to the Wellness Force Facebook page and learn more about the personal mastery course and the free webinar by clicking on the link on our wall pinned to the top with a special message from Christine. OK, let's drop in with Christine Hassler. So I read the entire book and Thank you. I was just like so overjoyed. You, know, so <laughs>
1: you were overjoyed from reading a book about disappointment. <laughs> no,
0: really, because it was it was moments for me where I was like, oh, it makes sense that I've been so angry. Mm. It makes sense that I've had so many moments where I was like, Ah, there's not really an answer right now, but here's some clarity in these pages. Yeah. So I just felt like a beautiful topic for us to explore would be mastery of wellness, mastery of happiness. Since you have this mastery program coming out. Yes. And mastery of self. Like, isn't that what we're all trying to do on this planet? We're trying to achieve this mastery of oneself. Yes, I have many mastered many
1: myself. I'm kidding.
0: It's in an don't. ongoing, I was going to say, <laughs> this is an ongoing process. <laughs> if
1: anyone ever says that, yeah, don't trust
0: them. This is my very first time recording next to an ocean for a podcast. Is
1: it really? I wish that we could show people. But we just will. We'll imagine, do a little video. Just imagine. It's su- the sun will set soon and we're looking at some surfers. Mm. And this is the manifestation of a dream for me.
0: And yesterday was your birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you. Yeah. Thank
1: you. Yeah, it was great to celebrate here. And I'm new to Encinitas, as you know. And uh, everyone that my girlfriends were all celebrating with me last night were just people that I've met recently. And it's, it's incredible when you have a growth mindset and an open heart, yeah. um, how easily you connect with people. And what it's, thank God I dropped a story about people not liking me know that was old, old, old from childhood Yeah. so that I could really open my heart and show up to new friends like you.
0: Yeah, this is so fun too. And I think we were connected by uh, Danielle Johnson, yes. who I knew back in the day when I was starting as a trainer. This is a fun fact for us to start this conversation. People don't know this about you. You used to train clients. I you did. You used to be a personal trainer. I
1: was a personal trainer for about four years.
0: Yeah. Why were you doing that back then? Like, what was that all I about?
1: I love counting to 12.
0: Okay, me too. I like 15. <laughs> I like counting to 15 myself.
1: Honestly, I... I had left my job as an agent. That was my overachiever career. And I didn't know what else to do. And I always loved health and fitness. And so that's what I decided to go and do. And I thought I was going to be you know, some big health and fitness brand. And I liked it, but I knew I was close. It was like close but no cigar kind of thing. Because I really enjoyed talking to the people way more than working them out
0: people would be training with you and they'd say, Christine, you're such a good listener. You're such a good speaker. You're such a good advice giver. When did you make the transition to actually becoming a life coach? Because I think right now, this is a term, you and I live in Encinitas. There are so many people that call themselves life coaches up here. Yes. But what does that actually mean to you to guide someone in their life, to be a life coach?
1: Well, first and foremost, it means being my own best client. It means walking the talk. It means having lived some life that has given me experience that I feel I can help other people with. It also means, and this is where I get a little on my soapbox about anyone being able to call themselves a life coach. To me, it means you have training and credentials. I think that's really important and has always been such an important part of my training as a coach. I met my first coach when I was 22. Her name is Mona. I'm sure we'll talk about her. And she helped me through such a hard time in my 20s where everything fell apart. And it was so different than therapy, which I had been in since I was 11. And that's when my passion for just human growth and human development really took hold. And she made such a difference in my life that I wanted to do it. That's what made me want to do it. So – Passion is a big part of what being a life coach is to me. Like I said, training. um, I I train with her. I have a master's degree in spiritual psychology. I'm NLP certified. I'm trained as a coach. I still have my own coach now. I'm always wanting to to learn and grow. And essentially, my job as a life coach is to help people identify what's in the way between where they are now and really where they want to be. And I consider myself a holistic coach in the sense that I really help people not just with their future but with their past as well. And then we work on the emotional, mental, behavioral and spiritual levels. Because I've needed to work on all those to be able to transform my life. Like I wish I could say too yes. We all do. We all do. We like (laughs) to think that we can just think our way into goals or do our way into things.
0: I feel like there's this one aspect of life coaching where as I dove into your story, I'm curious if you can look back and say, wow, I can really see connecting the dots as to all the things, all the thresholds that you went through to where you are now. Most people, they kind of, like some people wake up and they're like, I want to be a fireman and I just knew it when I was five. Yeah. You know, but that wasn't your story.
1: Well, what's interesting is I don't have too many childhood memories, like under the age of five. We moved to Texas when I was two and I have like zero memories except for one I'm going to share of when we lived in Wisconsin. And I have this one memory and I must have been barely two years old. And I like lined up my stuffed animals on the stairs. And as best I can remember, I was teaching them something. And teaching was always what I loved to play as a kid. I, I always love the pay teacher. I always love my teachers. And I also love being a student. And in a lot of ways, a coach is like a teacher, at least how I look at it. You're really teaching someone how to become a student of life yeah. and how to understand themselves. So that seed was there, that seed to be a teacher. And I also love to play bank. So it was like the entrepreneur seed was there <laughs> and the teacher seed. Uh, but that's, you know, I, I consider myself a forever student and, yeah. and a teacher.
0: You and I were walking on the beach and it was just such an incredible conversation. I think either I was highly caffeinated or the energy was just buzzing. Maybe Be, both. But you, maybe both. But you said to me, you know, Josh, you chose your parents. You, you understand oh, that, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And at first I was like, what is she talking about? I don't believe this. And I was kind of like upset, actually. I was triggered by it. Mm. And then I thought about it for like the next week and I thought, what a beautiful reframe mm. for me to actually just surrender to the fact that I pulled my parents in to give me this contrast so that I could grow.
1: What were you triggered by?
0: I think I was triggered the most by why would I choose to suffer? Mm-hmm. Why would I choose to bring in conditions to my life for people or things that would bring me to a lower state of vibration that would make me feel like I was in pain? Yeah. I thought about it and I started unpacking my suitcase and I'm like, the only way I could do this podcast... Is by having my story. That's the only way exactly. that I can actually step into this. Exactly,
1: um, we learn through contrast. We
0: learn through contrast. But how did you receive that, and what compels you to drive that kind of wisdom? Where do you pull that wisdom from?
1: Oh, so much of my perspective <laughs> shift when I in two thousand six when I went to the University of Santa Monica and started studying spiritual psychology. I went there. My Again that overachiever in me the academic in me wanted some letters behind my name and I thought I'll be so much more credible if I have letters you know if I have a master's degree yeah and I didn't really know anything about the program but spiritual psychology sounded cool and a master's degree sounded even cooler and I show up the first day with my laptop and no one else has laptops and there's no desks and I realize it's a highly experiential program it's not, they give information, you write it down, and then there's a test. You, you learn skills. Do you have a pocket you, protector as well? Or? A, yes, and a protractor because <laughs> we all need a protractor. I love geometry. So I show up there, and I realize that I'm in an incredibly different kind of quote-unquote school. And what they teach us there is to look at things from a, more of a spiritual perspective that has nothing to do with religion, but more from the perspective of there is no good, bad, right, or wrong. Everything is for us, everything. And on a soul level, we know what our life lessons are. We know what we're coming into this particular life to learn and grow. And how we learn as humans is through contrast. How we learn is through struggle. We know hot because we know cold. And if we're set up, like if I'm set up, like one of the things I'm set up to do is to help people free themselves from depression any kind of mental anxiety, depression, all those kinds of things. So I had to have set up in my soul curriculum depression so that I could learn how to get to the other side of it and then help other people do the same. So when this concept to me was taught of we pick our soul lessons and we pick the people that need to be in our life to trigger certain lessons – it all started to make sense. It was mind blowing in one degree, but it made sense in so many others because then we're not victims. Yeah. And when we're victims, there's nowhere to go. It's a dead end street. It's a total dead end street.
0: You're right about, there's these three big questions that you help people with. Who am I? What do I want? How do I get it? I mean, this is like laser clarity. That's a massive statement with tons of nuances below that. How have you sharpened your sword to get people those things?
1: through my own growth, honestly, like what's worked for me seems to work for other people as well. And I think what's interesting about me is that I can be very in my head. I can be very stuck to my story sometimes. I've always been coachable, but there was a lot of fear and a lot of um, a love of control and certainty and knowing how things were going to go. And so I've had to break down so many belief systems and change so much behavior and really discover a part of myself that I had forgotten. And that's what's helped me sharpen my sword more than anything. What was the
0: part of yourself that you forgot?
1: That nothing's wrong with me, that I'm not broken. As I was saying earlier, having my friends over here and letting go of that story that I'm not lovable, I'm not likable. I think all of us as kids had some event of teasing or bullying or someone saying something mean to us. Yeah. And in an instant, boom, there's a story. There's something wrong with me. People don't like me.
0: For me, I was really overweight. So I think all of us can connect with like, you know what? That little kid is still in there. So
1: it's still in there.
0: Still in there no matter what. And I remember at lunch one time you are like, look, the success you're having is because you're in touch with that child. Absolutely. So make sure that you continue to give that child the attention they need. And there's always this duality between like the adult in us, the driver, the one that wants to accomplish everything, the doing portion. But then the kid inside needs whatever they need.
1: They do. And this
0: is a different narrative than I think a lot of people are used to. We've touched on this a little bit on the show, but I'd love for you to Explain this narrative between the child and the adult, the doer and the beer.
1: Yeah, well, there's always that little kid inside of us, no matter what. And part of our job as adults is to learn how to reparent that child. What we end up doing is whatever we didn't get as a child validation, love, acknowledgement, safety, security we then go try to find in people and situations. So it's very common, for example, like if you had an emotionally unavailable father to find yourself dating a lot of emotionally unavailable men. If you have a fear of someone cheating on you, then that tends to happen. Like whatever we saw or didn't get as a child, we go and like seek out as an adult. And the real learning here is that as adults, our job is to parent ourselves to give ourselves what we didn't necessarily get from our parents or authority figures or whoever it was, and to look at what we did receive and know that we need to give ourselves that as well. Yeah. So when we do that, when we become the parent that inner child inside of us, then we stop attracting people and situations based on our core wounds. And we start attracting people in situations based on our values and where we want to go. Most people attract relationships and situations based on their wounding and based on their past. And then their present continues to look a lot like their past and they don't have the future that they want. But if you start really asking like what that little one inside needs and you have compassion for yourself and you give yourself that safety, that validation. And this is the trick with, with dialoguing with your inner child is kids don't need and don't do well with explanation. Like your dad was mean to you because he was angry inside and it didn't have anything to do with you. Try explaining that to a seven-year-old, you know? So it's more about, it's okay. I know you're sad. You didn't do anything wrong. You're safe and I'm here. It's having that kind of relationship with that part of you
0: you posted something on Facebook and it was about awakening. Oh, I think it was just yeah. a few days ago and you're like, I don't know who wrote this, but it's so right on point and we'll link it in the show notes today. But I, I would love to know someone who has one foot in business and also one foot in spirituality like yourself mm-hmm. in our community up here. I'm not trying to point anyone out, but I feel like there's so much spiritual babble yes. around people with their esoteric speak about how their aura is bleeding into someone else. Oh, it gets annoying. Yeah. And I feel like the word awakening when you talked about this relationship of the child inside of us and the adult that's doing, to me, just knowing that that's even a paradigm yep. is the part of awakening that this world needs. Yes. But how would you define awakening? Why'd you post that?
1: Well, I posted it because it just really resonated with me, and you know, I, I love what you're saying about kind of the the spiritual elitism that can sometimes exist. That spirituality. And we're is in the, the capital. The, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, spirituality is not about chanting you know, a certain mantra or wearing a certain color or, you know, feng shui in your house. All that stuff is great. It looks good. Yes, but it's really about how you live your life and how much you live in love and truth. Mona, my first coach, she always said, truth and love, Christine, truth and love, truth and love. That is God. That is spirituality, truth and love. And it's about how you live and how you think and how you be versus what you say. So to me, awakening is knowing that, We are here to learn and we are here to grow. And we also aren't alone. We're not separate. That's one of the biggest illusions we have is that we're alone and we're separate. We've forgotten that we're completely connected to source and completely connected to each other. And although we have our individual experience, we're part of a greater collective. And so to me, part of awakening is knowing that, yes, if I want to go out and help the world in some way, that's great. But my primary responsibility is to evolve my own consciousness to let go of limiting beliefs, to let go of anger, fear, guilt, shame, grief, regret, those those things that just fear, those negative vibrations that hold me down, to break generational patterns so I'm not continuing to play things out, and to be kind and loving to myself so my cup is full so then when I go out in the world and someone cuts me off in traffic, I don't lay on my horn and call them a bad name. Right, yeah. So that's the awakening, knowing that we are always given the opportunity to grow and it's not there's no there with awakening like you never are like done right maybe when you die when i, I don't get know. to this
0: point then everything will be okay it's an illusion it
1: is an illusion
0: i heard joe rogan talk about that mm-hmm. too and i have a question for you about his studio oh, okay but oh, sure. I, think, I think when we look at this paradigm of like if i make enough money then i'll be happy yes if i have the right marriage i'll be happy if i have the best car i'll be happy and there's so many stories. I used to train clients in La Jolla and th- all they would do is come to me after the nail appointment and complain about how their husband doesn't love them. And they had everything you could ever imagine yep. as far as like things, but the things don't resonate deeply with people's hearts. Like what people exactly. really want is to just trust and know everything's okay.
1: Yes. And the when men's is an exhausting way to live and enough is never enough. When we're making our happiness or our fulfillment conditional on something in the future, that is constant stress. To me, that is one of the key sources of all stress and all disappointment is making our happiness, our okayness, our safety, our security dependent on something in the future. Because anything in the future is just made up anyway, and it, it totally disempowers us. But when we can really, yes, have goals, yes, have vision, but know that Anything we want to feel, we can feel in a moment. We don't have to wait for something to happen. And believe me, this was a lesson that uh, I really had to learn because I was convinced that a certain level of success or money or relationship really would make me happy. Like if only I had that, I'm certain I will be happier. And time and time again, I would get it. And sure, it'd be great for a while. But until I really dealt with what was underneath why I didn't feel happy, It was
0: fleeting. And you were 25 and you're in an elevator and your heart was pounding. And there was this moment where you're like, I don't want this. You're a high profile agent. You had hung out with George Clooney. You had done all this insane stuff that really people would look at and be like, that's a dream life. It was. But yet you weren't satisfied with it. I mean, looking back, why don't you think you were satisfied with what a lot of people would see as a dream life?
1: Well, when you aren't satisfied with yourself, it's impossible to be satisfied with anything. And when you think you're not enough, enough is never enough another thing i learned at usm was our outer experience is always a reflection of our inner reality so as long as i think i'm not enough nothing ever is enough mm-hmm. doesn't matter how high and this is something i hear with so many high achievers you know they reach a certain amount they make their first million they celebrate for a second and then oh wait i'm not making 5 million now i got to go do that yeah and and so it's that dissatisfaction inside ourselves when we're trying to compensate for where we feel not enough. And when we really get, like really, really get, not just mentally, but feel that we're whole, that we're complete, that we're lovable, then we stop living for the external things. And for me, this is, again, something that I'm way more in touch with now than I have been in the past. It's, again, part of my awakening is to continue to remember this. But I had to do a lot of work. I had to really go into, you you don't heal core wounds by just looking for the silver lining. Yeah. Like, oh, it was great my father was abusive because that taught me courage. Okay, I'm done. If it was that easy, like, I don't know. (laughs) I wouldn't have a job. Uh (laughs) (laughs) And we need to, to look and be able to heal the things that are holding us back. And that's what I think I'm uniquely gifted at and passionate about is... know, I can remember, for example, going through my divorce and people saying, well, time heals all wounds. And me thinking, I don't want to wait for time to heal my wounds. I don't want to just like live my life until it kind of wears off in 10 years. Like that sounds awful. I want to know how to heal these things now. And that's part of the awakening too, is being willing to go into the dark. That's the other thing with kind of the spiritual bypass or spiritual elitism is it's all light. It's all love. Yes, it is. And as humans, Again, we're here through contrast. So we've got to go in and look at the dark, icky stuff.
0: Talk about spiritual bypassing because that is something I see all the time up here. And I've even probably been guilty myself of doing it where I'm like, you know what? Uh, Just choose the positive. Focus on what you want to create. Don't worry if those feelings are coming up here. And for a long time, I did talk therapy and I was like, how long should I explore the feelings that I'm feeling before I really wanna focus on what it is that I truly desire? Exactly. And I think a lot of people can get caught up in this bypassing where it's like, everything's love. I've even seen things on like memes on Facebook where it's like, uh, positive vibes only. I mean, that for me, it's like, how is that even a thing? <laughs> no and no nowhere in nature are there positive vibes only exactly so how can we possibly live our lives uh not spiritually bypassing and, and what do you think the detriments are for people that fall into that trap of spiritually bypassing
1: well I think there's the spiritual bypassing and there's getting stuck in the emotional processing and analyzing right there's there's both of those things um so the danger of spiritual bypassing and not really like allowing yourself to feel and heal and deal is is that it's this form of suppression. It looks really good and sounds really good, but it is a form of suppression, just like overeating, drinking, overworking, taking care of somebody else and ignoring yourself. It's just another way to suppress things I don't wanna feel. And so if we suppress something, it's gonna come up and out eventually. It might come up in the form of a disease. You might be irritable. All of a sudden you might have anxiety. You might be disconnected from your creativity. I actually like to use the word emotion because it's energy in motion. Emotion, and anytime yeah. we're f- we're having an emotion, it's our body it's our unconscious signaling to us that there's something there. And you know, it's like you wouldn't go to a baby. Oh, sorry. Positive vibes only.
0: (laughs) The baby would be like, what are you talking about? Or like
1: a three-year-old, you know, sorry, I don't love you anymore. You're having a temper tantrum. Positive vibes only. You're not spiritual three-year-old. Right. Yeah. You know, we can learn so much from children. And that's why I call one of the techniques in the book, the temper tantrum technique, because, you know, we are emotional beings. You can't tell me that, you know, a two and a half year old his mind is creating his feelings. And if he just had positive vibes that he wouldn't be having his <laughs> yeah. tantrum. It's yes. just like, no, he's he's upset. That's real. But if you let him ride it out and you don't interrupt him, he'll ride the wave of that emotion. He'll self-soothe and he'll be okay. You know, he just got upset and he needs to come up and out. And we just don't give ourselves permission to do that because we're scared to death of our feelings.
0: You posted something. I don't know if it was on Instagram or Facebook, but I just love following you there because every time you post this little clip or a video... I'm just compelled to share it with my audience and like people that I know, because everything that you talk about is really coming from this place of humility, but also power at the same time. And that's always what I felt from you. But you posted something about people that are, you know, they're stuck in the bypassing and to never steal someone, the gift of going through their process, like do not get in the way of somebody actually going through their process. How valuable is it to just be hands off and not try to fix somebody and just let them go through the pain and the threshold? of their process.
1: Yeah, we are uncomfortable with other people feeling bad. I know I am. So yeah, so we want to help them because we don't know what to do when someone feels bad. So we go into advice giving, we go into caretaking, we go into rescuing. And it's similar to cutting a cocoon before the caterpillar has emerged as a butterfly. It will kill it. And if we don't give people the dignity of their process, if we don't allow people to suffer, then we're really impacting their ability to learn. Now, it doesn't mean we just walk away and be like, okay, you go suffer. I'm out of here. We hold a space of compassion. Co-means with, passion means suffering, being with suffering. And honestly, that's one of the greatest things I feel blessed to do as a coach and facilitator is really just hold a space for someone to process and someone to suffer and and give them the gift of feeling unconditionally loved. Because that was modeled for me. It was modeled for me by Mona. It was modeled for me at USM. It's modeled by my coach now of letting someone just completely see me in my suffering, in, in my shame, in any feeling, in that darkness and them holding this light and love of, yes, I see you as a human going through this. And I know this isn't who you are.
0: Yeah. And and I know there's been many times in my life where I'm like, kind of stuck in that, like, I'm going to explore my emotions until I figure out why they happened. Yeah. But then there's this other paradigm where it's like, do we really need to know why something happened? No. Or do we really get to just surrender to the fact that it did? And where do we choose to go from now on?
1: We follow the feeling. And from that feeling, that's when we can identify the belief systems and judgment that came from that feeling. Because a lot of people will say, your thoughts create your feelings. And often that is true. If I'm thinking of the future, I'm going to feel anxiety. Yeah. But feelings also create belief systems. So if my parents were fighting like crazy as a kid and I felt scared, then I'm going to create the belief I'm not safe. People yelling is scary. And then I'm going to avoid conflict and I'm going to become a people pleaser and I'm going to constantly be looking for people to make me safe. So our emotions, our response to something, especially as a young child, those emotions created belief systems. So when we start to explore our emotions and ride the wave of them through, then we start to unlock and uncover some of these belief systems that are creating a reality that we often don't want.
0: Anxiety, I've talked about a lot. I actually have focused so much on breathing in the past three years that I got uh, something tattooed on my arm as a reminder for this because breathing, even holotropic breathing or just any type of breathing, it can get someone out of the future Mm -hmm. and into the present. You talk about anxiety as being future-based thinking, and this is really the core behind fueling anxiety for most people. It's they're not living right now. Like here we are on your couch. We're just here having this conversation. How important is it and what does the training look like? For people to get out of their head get out of the future and just be here just be in the now
1: well i think a lot of it is to do the kind of work we're talking about because what's hard about being in the now is if you're working to suppress feelings you never want to be in the now because if you are in the now then that and you're unconscious and your body's going to be like oh he's finally sitting still maybe he'll feel this because suppressing feelings is similar to holding the beach ball underwater. Like you're holding it underwater, but it's still there. And eventually your hands are going to get slippery and it's going to hit you in the face. And so, but if you keep moving, if you're always in motion, if your mind's always in the future, if you're always anxious about, you know, what you're going to have for lunch on Thursday afternoon when it's Monday, then then that occupies the mind enough and keeps you out of the present moment so that everything you're trying to suppress can stay suppressed. So anxiety is, is yes, it's thoughts about the future, but it's also... A feedback system for you of if you're consistently feeling anxious, what's underneath that? What are you scared of discovering? What are you scared of feeling? Like, why can't you sit still? So a big thing for me with people I work with and people that take my training programs is to learn how to be in acceptance of like whatever they're feeling. So the first step is really something I teach in acceptance meditation of when you're just sitting and you're accepting whatever comes up and not judging it and just being like, I don't like this, but I'm not resisting it because it is the resistance of feeling that creates the anxiety.
0: This is what we've talked about where we've contrasted technology and wellness. I have a few questions for you about that at the end of the show, but we know technology is growing exponentially. It's disconnecting, but at the same time the duality it gives us the ability to connect. Right. So it's like which side of the sword are we choosing here? Because there is this freneticism where people are constantly scrolling. One of my friends, she she posted something that said scrolling is the new smoking. And I was just like,
1: oh, that's "Uh, so true. Scrolling truly is the new smoking right Mm -hmm. now. And
0: so we find that with calendar notifications going off and uh, people calling you and you know, look, you're a busy entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. So give us this insight as to maybe a couple of things that you've seen be super powerful for people to not be a victim of just checking their phones and incessant technology, just taking and, and pulling their brains apart.
1: Well, I think it's habits. You got to put habits into place and boundaries with yourself so that you're not constantly reaching for a distraction. But again, it comes back to you have to be comfortable with yourself, which means that you have to be willing to look at the stuff that's uncomfortable. Because until you look at what's uncomfortable, you're not going to be comfortable. You can't meditate your way out of grief you know you, you just can't like it can be a useful thing to calm the nervous system down but you're going to have to look at that and shed some tears and deal with those feelings that are coming up so that that's the first thing is to really understand your humanness and know like if there's something up to deal with it and not try to bypass it that would be number 1 and then to put habits into place that really calm your nervous system down i think it's all about calming the nervous system i blew my nervous system out this year january through may was the most chaotic six months of my life. It was all good stress, but doesn't matter.
0: The body perceives it as stress, body you stress, as stress or distress. Yes.
1: Yeah. And, and I really had an, an unraveling the last kind of when it was day. I kept telling myself, we're always programming our mind. I just need to make it to May 30th. I just need to make it to May 30th. And May 30th came and I was actually with Aubrey on it. And I just had this crazy feeling in my body where I thought I was dying. Like I didn't know what was going on. And it was me coming out of fight or flight for six months. And so I had to really learn how to get my nervous system back on track. And I think a lot of people, especially women who our systems aren't wired for war, like we're not wired to be hunters. And so many women are out there firing up the part of our brain that's like, I'm hunting, I'm doing, yeah. you know? And I think it throws off our hormones. It throws off our nervous system. And so I've really had to find ways to get my nervous system back on track. And it's all stuff I know. It's stuff I teach at retreats, like dancing and meditating and using sound and connecting with other people and getting hugs yeah. and slowing down and not being with your oxytocin phone. Yes, hug. <laughs> exactly. And breathing yeah. and crying and Yelling and we know in, in a therapeutic, constructive way, all of those things help calm our nervous system to a point. Because if you're in fight or flight, it's really hard to put new habits in place because the wrong part of your brain is fired up. Yeah, You can't access the part of your brain that you need to commit to new behaviors because you think you're constantly going to have to fight something. So you're always on alert.
0: This is so powerful for so many reasons because the body is always giving us signals. Always. I mean, we're here contrasting on the show, emotional intelligence, physical intelligence. Our body is giving us these massive signals throughout the day. And I think a lot of people, they just kind of mash them down. Because there's responsibilities that demand them to produce. And I understand that. Like, we're living in a modern industrialized society where I don't think the demands have ever been higher. Yes. And I think a lot of people are trying to cope and just kind of wish that they'll have that, in your case, the May 30th, where they can take that deep breath. But we actually get to learn how to take deep breaths along the way so that we don't fry.
1: Right. And believe me, when I took, on May 30th, I did not take a deep breath. I was like, (laughs) I (laughs) can barely breathe. I was fried. And and this is, and I really don't want people to have to go through that. Yeah. I don't want us to wear busyness as a badge of honor and to fry our nervous systems to the point where we need to recover. And this was a huge lesson for me. And I've always, again, like that overachiever thing. There was that last little piece in me that needed to, you know, I talk a, a lot about compensatory strategies. It's something that I teach. And we we create a way to feel more than when we feel less than. So I felt less than socially. I felt broken in some way health-wise. And my compensatory strategy was I'm going to be just successful. I'm going to be an overachiever. The tricky thing about compensatory strategies is they're highly effective. They get stuff.
0: They produce results. They they
1: produce results. Exactly. And so, you know, I think mine fired up again a lot this year. I was like, I can do, I can do, I can do, I can do, I can do. And it backfired on me. and. Going back, would I have taken anything out of my schedule? No, but I would have shifted how I responded to a lot that was in my schedule. Yeah. You know, there's, there's what's happening and there's how we relate to it and what we make it mean. And I've, I've had to learn that being in the present moment, no matter, because people are like, how do you have balance? It's not about a pie chart. It's not about I spend this much time with my family and this much time at work. And it's, it's there's no
0: template for balance. No,
1: and you, there's no time management Evernote app that's going <laughs> to you know make you feel balanced. Right, right. For me, and what I've learned, and what I've been practicing this summer is it's really about being present, and really about taking pauses in between things, even if it's just a minute. Yeah. Okay, so let's say we're a woman's listening and she's working and she's got kids. Why is she stressed? Because when she's at work, she's thinking about work and kids. And when she's home, she's thinking about work and kids. She's constantly in two places. And that completely fries us. So we've got to practice, just practice, just practice being where we are right now and taking a breath and reminding ourselves everything's going to be okay. And those little things can start to really calm down the nervous system.
0: I want to shift gears because you had such a great episode with Drew Manning and you talked about how weight can be this beacon and this buffer to exterior feelings. And it's funny, I actually asked Mark this same question and he had a unique answer, but I'd love for you to shine light on this because I know in my life, when I was 80 pounds overweight compared to where I am now, I know it had everything to do with how I wasn't dealing with the feelings I didn't wanna feel. So that's my personal reflection on that. But can you share what you and Drew talked about because I think this is so important.
1: Yeah, this is a big one. So, okay, let's unpack this a little bit and then you can ask me anything you wanna ask me what i have seen over the years of doing this work is that a lot of people that have they're carrying weight have had trauma in their past abuse abandonment chaos intense criticism and when we go through anything like that there's a part of us that doesn't feel safe and when we don't feel safe we want to disappear we want to hide And so the body hears the message, I need to disappear, I'm not safe, how do I hide? We can't physically make ourselves invisible, but we can physically make ourselves less visible and give ourselves a feeling of protection with weight. So a lot of times weight is a layer of protection and almost an invisibility cloak that on some level makes us feel safe. And I've seen so many people do everything right when it comes to weight loss. They exercise, they do the nutrition, and they just can't release the weight because it's serving a high purpose. If I know something keeps me safe and makes me feel protected on some level, I'm not going to let it go because as a human being, my brain is always thinking about how do I stay alive? So anything wired to keeping me alive is going to stick around. And so if weight on some level, I believe, keeps me safe and protected, then my body's not going to want to let go of it because yeah. I might get really hurt. So, and this is something that I work with people on in the course we're going to talk about is how you finally deal with those, those old traumas, those old things from your past So that you can start to feel safe and protected in a different way. Because once you start to create that feeling in a different way, then your body goes, oh, oh, okay. We don't need to hold on to this anymore. And it starts to release.
0: It's that deep breath that I think so many people just crave throughout the day. You talked about the habits for them to achieve that breath. But sometimes just habits to try to achieve a state don't always work because there's the unprocessed things things you're talking about.
1: Yeah, and then we have emotional eating which is I either don't want to feel or I do want to feel. So I don't want to feel, so I'm going to stuff myself and numb. I don't want to feel what I'm feeling, so I'm going to stuff myself and numb myself. Or I do want to feel, I want to feel pleasure, so I'm going to go have something sweet. I want to feel like a stress release, so I'm going to have something salty or crunchy. I want to feel self-soothed. I want to feel fulfilled, so I'm just going to like eat as much as I can. And we need to learn how to create pleasure in our life and self-soothing in our life and a sense of fulfillment in our life so that we're not looking for food to do that for us.
0: What kind of tools have you found in holotropic breathing? Have you done any sessions like that? I know you and Aubrey did a really profound relationship course a weekend. Did you do any holotropic breathing there? Have you experimented that in your life with holotropics?
1: Yes, absolutely. It's it's incredible. And for someone like me who can be very heady, it's incredibly powerful. Me too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not everyone.
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think we're all in our heads, and we're like, "How do we? How do we just be in our bodies I body think Even as those as people
1: you're pretending to be so spiritual, I think that they're, they're at their heads totally. too. So, yes, it's been incredibly powerful. I do some Wim Hof breathing as well because I was aware you know, of how often I hold my breath, and a lot of us too. That's that's old conditioning. That's fear-based. Anytime we've been through something scary, anytime we felt judged in any way we hold our breath, that's our first thing that we do. And so learning some breath work has been incredibly powerful for me to get out of my head, to bring up feelings, to release things from my body. Because again, with emotion and release, we don't have to know exactly what it is. It's just important to get it out. But that's quite different. I've seen and been to some workshops where they just have you scream with no prompts, Right. It's just more catharsis, and and from my point of view, that's not emotionally healthy. And plus, you've got everybody's energy flying around like catharsis, and sure. and it's just it's yeah, I'm not, I'm not a super big fan. I don't think that's incredibly helpful or therapeutic.
0: In some cases, can it be therapeutic? Just not in such a huge amount.
1: Well, it depends on if it's prompted and therapeutic, like the way I learned anger work from Mona, and and how I do emotional release work, and how I do it at my retreats. Is there's a prompting to it, there's a build, there's a riding of feeling back in time so that it's accessing an emotion that's tied to something that you can release. Yeah, I mean, it can be great to be in your living room or if you're feeling stressed, just to be like, ah, let yeah, me just pillow. let it go. Yeah. yeah, but you're not gonna release your core wounds just by screaming your head off. You know, there has to be a connection to because basically. In releasing feelings from the past, we're giving ourselves permission to feel the feelings we weren't allowed to feel and express at the time, okay? So let's take the example of abuse, any kind of abuse. Obviously, when it's happening, you're a child or a young adult, you probably had to like just lay there because again, you went into fight or flight response and that response is just sort of to disconnect and just, you know, take it's really it. It's based on survival. It is based on survival. It's what animals do. They freeze. It's the yeah. freeze response. You weren't allowed to express your shame. You weren't allowed to yell. You weren't allowed to cry. And you had to put all those feelings inside. And so part of healing those things is to give voice to that, to like be able to yell and be able to tell that person to F off and get off me and and like whatever you need to say and cry those tears that you held inside because maybe you had to keep a secret. So that's why, you know, I don't want people to think that I'm saying you need to go relive your childhood pain. This yeah. is why like I do what I do and, and why I create experiences where people can do this because this is a space that was held for me so that I could deal with some of these things because it can be dangerous to just go like open that can of worms. Like, You want to make sure that you're doing it in a way where you really feel supported.
0: The container has to be safe because I think that's why people don't want to explore that too is they're like, oh, it's not a safe container.
1: yes. But once you actually open it and you have some tools, you see it's not that bad Yeah. because you find this place of compassion inside of you because there's a part of us that went through the experience and then there's this part of us that's so loving, that's so compassionate, that's so there for us. It's our inner parent.
0: You've talked about release writing in your book, Expectation Hangover, which we're going to link in the show notes, overcoming disappointment in work, love, and life. The release writing technique I have not had a chance to do yet, but it sounds freaking profound. How'd you come up with that?
1: It was a combination of a lot of different things I've learned from a lot of different people from a form of journaling I learned from Mona to something else I learned from a coach to something called freeform writing that USM taught. But it's basically a way to express and write without reflection. So what's amazing about writing, not typing, but handwriting, is that it accesses the intuitive, creative, emotional, unconscious part of our brain. Typing doesn't do it. And our handwriting starts to kind of bring memories up, bring emotions up. And so in release writing, you just get paper and you sit down and you just start to write, I'm feeling or I'm angry because or screw you, whoever, because like you just, and you're writing so fast that you can't even read it because you're writing to keep up with your thoughts and emotions. And then when you're done, you rip it up or burn it. You just like get rid of it. So it's just a way to purge your feelings and your thoughts. And this is great for people that have trouble expressing, Yeah, that feel scared to talk about something or feel scared to do the emotional release work. This is a really, really great tool. And it's also fantastic for stress. It's amazing for sleeping. Like if you can't sleep, just release right for 10 minutes and you will be able to sleep because the reason why we don't sleep is because our minds is just da, 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 da. when yeah. we do that kind of release writing and just get it out without the processing it's incredibly powerful. And I want to
0: be clear too there's no edits involved. Uh, you're no, not allowed you to don't edit re-read. like you literally just Mm-mm. flow.
1: You just flow, you just flow and you, again you couldn't even reread it if you wanted to because you're writing so fast it's like chicken scratch.
0: I think we talked about some tools. Yes. What has come through you recently yeah. to make you want to launch this mastery course? What's this all about?
1: Actually, it came out last year, and we're doing it in a bigger way this year because we wanted to. I like to test things and make sure they really work before I take it out in a big way. And I, you know, I've been in, gosh, I've been in this field for 12 years and seen so many people, many of my friends, launch these online courses. And I always thought I should, you know, the big should. Mm -hmm. And should can be an incredible motivator. But for me, um, it's not a good one. (laughs) Never goes well for me when I do the things I think I should. Yeah. Um, But I I really saw a need to teach people because not everybody can coach with me. Not everybody can come to a retreat. And I've seen so many people have such transformative results because I've really taken, I've had the most amazing teachers and the most incredible training. And one of my teachers, Mona, is not even alive anymore. You know, so I was like, how can I get these things that have helped me and so many other people out in a bigger way? so that more people feel like they have tools to deal with being human. Because yes, I know you want that career. Yes, I know you want that relationship. Yes, I want you know you want to make more money. But I know 100%, Josh, from doing this for 12 years and being my own best client, that until you deal with the emotions, the beliefs, the story, everything that's in your way, those things are hard to come by. And the more you do the internal work, and work on the obstacles, and the blocks, and all those things, the more all those things just show up. And you don't have to work so hard. Like I see so many people buy the career course, and buy the relationship course, and then buy the money course. And like they're constantly looking for a fix it. And so that's why I wanted to create something that gives them the holistic approach where they get to the core of it, so that all that stuff just starts to take care of itself, and it's not so
0: hard. How long is the process?
1: Six weeks. But it's one of those things that I'm not saying in six weeks. Like I'm not like five keys in six weeks and you (laughs) will be evolved. This is the golden ticket. Yes, yes, this will fix everything in your life. Um, What I can guarantee is that you'll have a greater understanding and compassion of yourself and you'll have incredible tools so that your past will no longer keep you a prisoner. I want to really help people free themselves from their past because it doesn't matter what happened or didn't happen to you. You have every resource inside to be able to step into your full potential. Sometimes you just need a little guidance and someone to point out where the tools are.
0: Your partner told me that you're really passionate and one of your zones of genius, maybe your biggest zone of genius, is that you help people get down in the weeds and not be afraid to be there. Mm -hmm. And you help them get out of that. I think this is what we've touched on a few times where, oh my gosh, there's some feelings that I just don't want to feel because they're so scary. Like, How did you develop that skill set of getting in the weeds with people and trusting yourself to not get lost?
1: Well, it was done for me so often and I saw how powerful it was. I've seen so many people suffer and I'm just comfortable with it. You know, at this point, it's just practice. It's just a lot of of hours. Yeah. Growing up, I was very book smart. I was the overachiever. I was the president of the Goody Goody Club. I got straight A's. Was that actually
0: the name of the club? I made it up. I started a club. Yeah.
1: I won the science fair. And uh, now I'm people smart. (laughs) I love people. I know what makes us tick. I like being a human detective and helping people put the puzzle pieces of their life together. Because I think one of the biggest frustrations for people is they don't understand why they are the way they are or they do, but they don't know how to change it. And I love getting in there and being like a human detective with people and and giving them the roadmap to understand themselves so that they can change it.
0: Where do you feel like that fire comes from, that curiosity to be the detective?
1: Gosh, just my, my own journey, like my own journey of really never believing I could be this happy and fulfilled. Like I really didn't think I could. I live a life that's beyond anything I could have dreamed of for myself. And I lived uh, feeling so isolated and separate for a long time. Helping people helps me feel connected to them as well. So I won't say that it's all altruistic. I mean, I, I love... I light up when I see people have an insight. Like I light up when I see someone's life change. Like it's like, the I, I love it. It's the best feeling in the world, not because I think I did it, but the fact that I was able to be with them on their journey. I mean, there's nothing better.
0: Well, we're definitely going to link all the information for everyone who is just having this fire burn in them that wants that emotional intelligence. Yeah. This is so powerful. And in six weeks, I mean, it's a great start. It's yes. definitely something that'll get you down the right path. It's not a golden ticket. It's not like you're going to go to Willy Wonka's Emotional Chocolate Factory after this. Yeah. But yeah. it's a great start. And it's based off of decades of not just research, but experience.
1: Experience and and training and just seeing what works with people. And we go through everything. We go, we start with the emotional and then we move to the mental and then we move to the behavioral and then we move to the spiritual. And life coaching calls with me and there's an incredible tribe and there's meditations and videos and worksheets. Like I really... Just put my heart and soul into this. This is the course I wish I would have had. <laughs> well, actually, now, no, I don't, because then I wouldn't have learned what I learned.
0: I feel like women really gravitate towards your work. Now, look, I'm a man. I gravitate to- towards your work as well. A lot but of men
1: do, surprisingly so.
0: Why do you think that so many men right now, 2017, 2018, are actually finally taking a look at what it means to be a conscious, emotionally intelligent, powerful man yes. in this age? Thank God. What is different now than it was... 20 years ago
1: there's more people like you who are willing to do the work and talk about it and so more men feel like they have permission i think that for so long men felt they didn't have permission to be vulnerable and thank god for all the men who have started doing this work and stepping up and make it accessible thank you to you for being one of those men because the more men who do it the more men feel like they they have permission to do it it was interesting um you know, being on Rogan was a complete surprise for me. I felt like, you know, steak tartare on a vegan menu being on <laughs> this <laughs> show. I was such an odd choice, you know, but I, oh my gosh, I have so much but respect for him. But you were right on time. Yes, 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 yes. And love that man. He's so yeah. brilliant, has helped so many people. I was shocked at how many men reached out to me after that show because I talked about anxiety, I talked about depression thanking me and being like, I I don't think I could talk about this. Thank you for talking about this. Like I didn't know. And I think a lot of men really, really struggle with anxiety and depression, but because they have more drive and they feel like they have to be out there in the world, they hide it and just put more pressure on themselves and feel like they don't have a place to go and feel like they have to be strong for if they have a family, they feel like they can't fall
0: apart. Yeah, man. I'm just feeling my brother right now in this moment. Uh, I'm definitely going to let him know about your work, actually, mm. because I just spent some time with him yesterday and he's walking the path where I see him and he's my older brother. So I'm like little bro. And I just feel like this discovery path, it's out there and it's growing. And um, this <laughs> is the last part of the show. This has been so much fun. Oh, this is seven fast questions. Nice. Are you so ready?
1: fast. Yeah.
0: What makes you laugh out loud? I mean, what cracks you up in this <laughs> world?
1: Oh my gosh. My nephews. <laughs> that for sure they they take the cake like on that silly one kid humor yeah seven three and one
0: you used to work with adam carolla for the man show yeah. what was one of the funniest things that happened there
1: he and i trying to two-step and always being confused for a juggy dancer
0: whoa was he yeah. a good dancer
1: no 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 they had these women called juggy dancers on the show oh, okay and i was the only female pa so people would be like are you a juggy dancer i'm like no i work i'm, not
0: a, <laughs> I'm
1: a pa it wasn't really much better than a juggy dancer but
0: um, you're the host of TLC's The Spouse House. Uh, what did this project open up for you? It was about love and relationships. Yeah. Did yeah. you receive personally any new insights on love and relationships? I, I did. I
1: did. Because, you know, I wish they would have shown the coaching in the show. They, they didn't air any of that, but I coached everyone on the show, as did my co host. And um, just sitting with the men, it made me, because I'm single, and it made me realize even more how, even though quote unquote, men are supposed to lead. Or whatever in dating and relationship, men have insecurities and need a little and need reassurance, and that doesn't make them weak. Uh, And just to have these men open up to me about what was going on for them and how they really like to hear from the woman, hey, like I like you, like you know, just that was a, um, a great reminder for me. And just to see their strength and their vulnerability, and also, you know, the show's a crazy concept. Strangers come on the show and and get married
0: you had some pretty deep moments i mean oh, you, to- for you told sure. me this. we yeah. had some
1: really deep moments not all of them made it to air because you know reality tv it's sure like drama uh but a lot of them did and um i had some incredibly powerful sessions with people where they really saw like old issues were keeping them from what they wanted and it's amazing what can be created in a relationship where you spend 24 7 together where you have a coach and a clinical psychologist there where you have to get to them. I mean, we'd, we'd send them on dates and be like, okay, these are the things you have to talk about. Like religion, kids, sex, like right values. Basement, get huh? right to it. <laughs> not, not like, so where'd you go to college? And like, do you like Pearl Jam? <laughs> that sounds
0: like my kind you of know? date. Yeah. <laughs> I love that date. Yeah. So now what is calling in the one feeling look like for you? So romantic love with a purpose driven partner. Yes. I don't see you with anyone who's not purpose driven. I don't think I could be yeah. I have to be with someone who is on point and on mission in yeah. whatever they do. And by the way, it doesn't have to be uh, personal development or health or wellness, but I'm curious what that looks like for you.
1: I'll let you know when I find it, but I know how it feels. I know how uh, it feels like we are two whole complete people. Again, not enlightened, but just sure of who we are, clear of who we are, not looking for anything to fill a void and walking in the same direction in terms of vision and values and what we want to create. And it's just a feeling of being met, like really feeling met. I I shared my list of what I'm looking for in someone with someone else recently. And he said, that sounds like a unicorn to me. You may want to lower your standards. And I said, no, because I'm not asking for anything that I'm not showing up as. That's the promise I make to my forever person like anything i'm asking for in you i will be i actually did this after my divorce i made a list of everything i wanted in my next man and i'm like oh man i need to stop making these lists and (laughs) i looked at the list and i was like this is total projection yeah this is everything i need to be except tall so i looked at that list and i just did it you know there was one thing on there like funny i wanted someone with a great sense of humor and i'm like well i'm not particularly funny people don't think christine Hassler. Just like Ellen DeGeneres. I mean, that's not the first thing that comes to mind. So I went to improv classes just to work on my sense of humor and become funnier. So I share this with you to let you get to know me, but also like whatever you're looking for in someone else and whatever you're most attracted to in someone else is what you need to own and acknowledge and step into inside yourself.
0: That just hit me so hard. I feel like there's an elephant on my chest. Uh, With one of my business coaches, we did a personal inventory of 15 things that are most important when you're doing something with business, with Mm -hmm. a business partner. Now, 12 of those things have to line up with a romantic partner. So I was like, why are we doing this? It was frustrating. It was like this exercise. And he's like, listen, whatever you want in someone else, you realize those are the things within yourself that you're currently growing. So thank you for reminding us about that. With all this tech, this is a big question. Okay, So much tech out there and there's this duality of it connecting us and disconnecting us. I feel like tech is also helping consciousness rise. Yes. I feel like there's a big part of it there. So what do you think this world needs right now in this time that we find ourselves of technology growing with the potential of disconnecting and connecting Mm -hmm. us at the same time? What do we get to be? How do we get to be?
1: Well, I think just as much as like, all this technology has an operating system and a level of understanding about how it all works, we need to do that inside ourselves. We need to understand our operating system and how we work. And like I was saying earlier, the more we focus on ourselves, the more we evolve our own consciousness, that's going to even shift our relationship to technology. You know, I have seen as I've grown and shifted, I have less desire to scroll. I have less desire to swipe. I have less desire to be on my phone. I have more desire to go out and be with people or spend time reflecting with myself. So I think that we need to shift our relationship with technology and see it as a service and a way to be a tool. But it is a bit of an addiction. And that's where it scares me is yeah. because it hits the same dopamine receptors in our brain as, as drugs do.
0: Well, trust me, we're talking about this and we're making people aware. So thank you for reminding us about that. This is almost the last question here. I love all these questions. It's about a photograph that I carry in my wallet. Oh, yay. And um, you had reminded me this six months ago when we met to hold a picture of yourself as a child in your wallet. And when you feel like you're beating yourself up and when you go into this narrative that you're not good enough or you messed up that business deal or whatever it might be, that that picture can be a tool. And I have to tell you, that's been in my wallet since we met.
1: This is so cute. I can tell how like like you're really trying to get the stance right.
0: <laughs> hey, look, this is AYSO. Okay, this is on the back. My mom wrote 1987. I'm plugging for you, son. Oh So I put this. I had this in my wallet since then. Yeah. But I'm curious for you. Do you carry the the picture with you in your purse anywhere?
1: Yeah, it's on my phone. Yeah. And my and when you it. look at
0: that picture, what do you tell young Christine?
1: Whatever she needs to hear. Sometimes she needs to hear she did a good job. Sometimes she needs to hear she's safe. Sometimes she needs to hear, she didn't do anything wrong. Sometimes she needs to hear, I'm here for you. Sometimes I just need to go, what do you need? You know, what do you need in this moment? But a lot of times she just needs to know everything's okay. That's the biggest thing.
0: That is the biggest one. Mm -hmm. This -hmm. has been so fun. I want to do another podcast with you specifically about the different chapters of the book.
1: Oh my God, I'd love to. That
0: is like so fascinating to me. But today we touched the tip of the iceberg today. the 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 last question is around wellness in this modern world. Yeah. So everything you've been through, your healing, your continued healing, what does wellness mean to you now?
1: Oh my gosh. Well, my coach now, her name is Brandy Gilmore, and she's extraordinary in the mind-body connection. Really has helped me see that pretty much everything physical has an emotional, mental, unconscious connection. And this is why even in the course, we work on all the different levels. I think wellness has to be holistic. You can't just treat the physical... Can't just treat the emotional. You can't just treat the mental. But it begins by knowing that we are whole. Like there's nothing wrong with us. I think my conditioning from such an early age made me believe that my body was my enemy. That anything could happen. You know, I have a toothache. Oh my gosh, I need a root canal. You know, I had such catastrophic thinking when it came to my body. That it that like it's constantly gonna break down or something's gonna go wrong. And so I think. That part of wellness is knowing that our body has this incredible ability to be able to heal itself, as is our emotional body. Like no matter how much pain we went through, we have the emotion of compassion and love that can heal us. Like we can heal from anything. Even that person out there thinking, no, you don't know my story. It was really bad. You can heal.
0: Mm. Tell us about your podcast, Over It and On
1: It. Oh, I love my podcast. So I always, I I grew up listening to Dr. Laura, who is a call and advice radio host. And I I always really wanted to coach people on the air. I love life coaching. It truly is my zone of genius and, and just, I just love it. And I wanted to help more people. And so I was like, how do I do this on a podcast? And the technology was my barrier. I'm not very tech savvy, but I figured it all out and, and, People call in and I coach them live on the air. And Josh, this has been extraordinary. It's been, um, it'll be two years in November and just got picked up by podcast one. And thank you. And um, the callers, I've never not played a call. Like the people that call in, it's so vulnerable. It's, it's so, so real. Raw. It's so it's real. So raw. It's yeah. what everyone's thirsty for. Yeah. And we don't, I don't even like know them before they call. We just get on. And then the cool thing is afterwards I break it down and, and talk about what I did. And usually I have to go re-listen to it because I'm so like in flow and I'm so with them in the moment. I don't even know what happened. And then I like, so a lot of coaches really like it because they learn a lot from
0: yeah. that, from listening. We talked so much about emotional intelligence today, which was so valuable. Mm. Did we miss anything for someone that's still feeling that tension where maybe they can take a breath and just take one step forward? Can you give them some insight, like that very first step?
1: Yeah, I think that the the thing that you can shift right now is your inner critic. That is just what plagues us all, is that voice inside of us that's so hard on ourselves and it just makes anything you're going through so much harder. You know, you're going through a breakup and not only do you have to deal with the grief, but then you're beating yourself up. You know, you just lost some money, not only do you have to deal with trying to figure out how you're going to get it back or make more, but you're also beating yourself up. Like we've got to – just tune down that voice of the inner critic because it really doesn't help us and it's not an effective form of motivation
0: yeah inner critic versus inner coach so exactly. we will link that for you and Drew in the show notes this has been such an incredible pleasure to come to your place thank you And I'm so first, glad. first podcast with an ocean view I love it um, and also some just really incredible truth so I want to end our interview by one of my favorite quotes from your book oh cool and it's if you're like me your expectation hangover may have been the very thing that has opened or is opening your heart to developing a deeper spiritual life. We're all born aware that the very essence of our being is love, and all things happen sometimes that make us forget. We often disconnect from a higher power and feel separate. Spirituality is about returning to the place of original innocence and connection. Simply put, it is moving out of the energy of fear and back to love. Returning to love is removing and a remembering process. It's not something you need to learn how to do.
1: Isn't that a relief? Everybody don't have to learn how to love. It's already there, just remembering.
0: Christine, thanks so much for coming on the show.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Hey, my friend, thank you for hanging out and growing with me on today's show. Remember to hit subscribe, share this podcast with somebody you care about that you think gets to hear this message. Support the show by leaving a five-star review for the podcast right now simply by tapping on your show artwork on your iPhone. Click that purple link that says review this podcast. It helps the show reach more conscious and smart people like you, and your voice will attract more world-class guests that want to come on the show. So let them hear your voice. For all the downloads, videos, links, and free resources mentioned on the episode, go to wellnessforce.com forward slash radio. And while you're at my house on the web, join us in the Wellness Force Community newsletter on that page, and I'll send you four free guides around staying healthy with your eating, moving, and sleeping while you travel. Join a group of people like you over at the Wellness Force Community Facebook page. This is where we talk about the things that really matter. We share our wins, inspirations, struggles, and a lot more. So join us, tap on the show artwork on your phone, and hit that purple link that says join the Facebook group and I will welcome you at the door. Okay, now you get to go out into your world and create impact for the people that you care about. So until I see you again real soon, I'm wishing you love and wellness.